episode 11 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T-Dot. As always, I'm joined by Theo. So how are you doing, Theo? All good, thanks. Um, yeah, feels good to get a win now. So I'm feeling a lot better um, today than I was over the weekend. Yeah, good. Get, like I said on the... Um, the, the episode we did with Jack, I think had that game and not come around so quick, I think it would have been a bit more, you know, the men, it's a mentality thing then, isn't it? That sort of kicks in a bit. So um, I'm glad it was, you know, Tuesday, but just give us your initial thoughts on, first of all, how we played. Um, what were your thoughts on the game? I mean, it kind of like story of our season in a way. We start off 10, fast 10, 20 minutes, just electric. It was great to watch. Um I think Kante had a really early chance. I think maybe Chilwell as well. Really like the intensity of the first 20, uh, 10, 20 minutes was great. Um, you almost just as a Chelsea fan, you're watching that being like, all right, now we need a goal there. We need to score that goal. Um, and then obviously we got a bit unlucky with that one big VAR decision, I feel, which I don't even think VAR even looked at it and just stuck, um, decided to stick with Mike Dean's decision, which still mm. baffles me right now. And I watched Match of the Day last, um, yesterday and all the pundits of Match of the Day were confused to how Mike Dean's looked at that and given a free kick to Leicester when Tillemans clearly just kicks Werner's foot. And had Tillemans not done that, Werner would have snatched the ball from him. So it's a clear foul. And in that case, if it's a foul, it's a penalty for Chelsea. But maybe a bit of justice in the second half of the penalty we got after that. Um, and when I said, like, we just don't make things easy for ourselves, it's, we, 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 we were the better team over the 90 minutes. There's no doubt about it. But, um, it's just, you know, always keeping that one goal lead and then obviously making things quite difficult, which in the last 10 minutes, you know, playing out from the back and losing the ball mm-hmm. and then giving them a goal, you know, to something to kind of maybe build on in that last 10 minutes to make it really, a really nervy finish. And last, last thing I'll say is also I'd like to thank Iosi Perez for, <laughs> for still, still giving us a shot at top four because that chance he had in the, la- in the last couple of minutes was... I think it was Kovacic, wasn't it? I'm sure yeah. Kovacic let him sort of... Uh, but yeah, I think had that gone in, it would have just been... It would have literally summed up the season yeah. for us. We were just... Yeah. Um, I, I want to take it back to the VAR because mm. um, I was trying to think of similar um i mean even the the kovatic um the the fa cup last season when he got sent off and it's been so we spoke about var on the last episode but how unearthed does mike dean who's no one's blocking his 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 vision he's he's directly looking at the two players and surely he can see what's happening the linesman's also um must have you know decent vision and sight of what's happening but just how, how can how can they get it so wrong? How can they get a decision like that so wrong that, in the grand scheme of things, didn't affect us in the end, but could have completely, you know, had we not gone on to score or less had gone on to score before us, then it could have changed the game. So how, how did they get that completely wrong? I wish I had an answer. <laughs> I literally wish I had an answer, but um, it's just as you said, Mike Dean was still in front of it, and there's that picture of him with the best possible view of it as he was in front of Timo Werner, not behind um, Tillemans. So the fact he was in front of Timo Werner, he could have clearly seen that Werner was getting to the ball and Tillemans was nowhere near it. And then as a result, kicked um, Werner's ankle. Mm. But one thing I'll say, maybe slightly to defend Mike Dean, if I'm going to play devil's advocate here, is you've got a split second to make a decision as a referee. Yeah. And, you know, that's why VARs come in. You know, if the referee does make, you know, make the wrong decision, VAR will be dead almost as, a, you know, that second kind of, bit of support or you know that second decision and that's when I'm lost how VAR's looked at that and stuck with Mike Dean's decision of giving a free kick to Leicester and it only took them about 
I think between the, the moment he gave the free kick and when VAR decided to stick with a Leicester free kick, mm-hmm. it was only about 10 seconds. Yeah. Which yeah. is what really baffles me because, you know, how in 10 seconds can you look at that and think, oh no, that's definitely a Leicester free kick. Mm. And I think I texted you at half time. I was fuming. I was absolutely <laughs> fuming. I, I literally felt like going for a jog around the block <laughs> to calm myself. But um, I, I think I think it was interesting because um, I think it was... Um, I think it was Dermot Gallagher or on, he does the, the match reports the following day on, on Sky, Sky Sports News. And, um, he said that VAR, the, the view that we're talking about almost, um, where it shows Mike Dean being able to see what's happening, that sort of back view of Tillemans and, um, and Werner, they didn't have that image when they were checking VAR, but surely if you haven't got all the images, there's two options you've got. You can either wait to see if there's any other images that you can check or, you you go and have the, the ref go and check the monitor just to see, just to double check, as I said on the last episode, go and check the monitor. That's why we've got them in the grounds um, and, and check to see if you've got that decision wrong because it's just, it's getting to the point now, like I said again, we, this is it's happening too often and it seems to be, I don't want to play the small violin, but it seems to always be against Chelsea. Um, these mm. decisions are going against as well. 100%. I mean, just in the month of April and May, I can think about, four or five decisions that haven't gone our way. That Werner mm-hmm. penalty against West Brom, the, the um, what's his name? Rob Holding handball against Arsenal, the, the Iosi Perez handball in the final of the FA Cup, the, yesterday, um, on, on, on Tuesday night, the, the Tillemans kick on Werner. It just baffles me how, you know, four decisions have, you know, I've just listed and that's just in the last two months haven't yeah. gone our way. Yeah. And, and I think as well, if you think of it, Jorginho's our top goal scorer this season with seven penalties. So we are getting those, you know, those those breakthroughs in the in the penalty box, and we are winning those penalties. But think of the amount of penalties we could maybe have scored had these VAR decisions gone away. Yeah. So I think that's where you've got maybe to praise Tuchel and you know Chelsea this season is we are winning these penalties, and I think we'd be winning a lot more of them if VAR did a proper good job, you know, at you know reviewing it and making the right call. So that's where I'll, maybe I'll defend players like Werner. Players like Havertz, like you know Pulisic, they are winning these fouls and they are yeah. getting us, you know, in those dangerous positions where we can have be getting those set pieces that will, get, you know, almost eighty percent lead to a goal. Mm. And I think it's, it's good that I mean it's good that we mentioned Werner because he, you know, he does he does everything right. Um, he, you know, we spoke about how how brilliant you know he is in terms of his pace and um, the the fact that it must be a nightmare to try and defend him uh, as well. But I, I still think you know there's times where you've you just got to perfect your run or you've got to try and stay on side and, and not be offside. Um, it just didn't seem like it was going to happen for him on Tuesday night. You know, he, he was offside for the first goal. Um, unlucky for the, the, the goal that it was so annoying because, um, you know, he hit his head before he hit his hand or his arm. I don't think it even hit his hand. It was more his upper arm that it hits slightly. And I think he's, he's very lucky there because, you know, we go back to the FA Cup um, final and we talk about the um, Perez incident and it just seems like, you know, I, I would think that goal should have stood in, in my own opinion. Maybe I'm just biased because I'm a Chelsea fan, but I just think, you know, we've seen those things given before for other clubs. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the FA Cup final as the example, if that's allowed to play on, 
why are you not able to score with like the upper part of your body? I mean, that's when you kind of, I, I do think it was a, it should have been disallowed if I'm honest. Yeah. But then if I use that kind of logic and think in the FA Cup final, if that's not a foul, then what makes you think, you know, you can't score that part of your body. Mm. But I am going to slightly criticize Werner in that position because just put your head on it. Just get under the ball of your head and, you know, put a nice bullet header. You just know if that was Giroud in that position, even one of the center backs in Silva or Rudiger. Yeah. They're just putting that ball in the back of the net of their head, you know, the, you know, their, their foreheads. Whereas Van almost looks like he's a bit uncomfortable in that position. He doesn't really know how to kind of, you know, move his body or get his head around the ball. Mm. So, you know, I think, I think he should have maybe done a lot better there, Werner. But overall, I think his game was great. And that penalty he won for us in the second half, there is contact. So it is a penalty. So yeah, and he it's, did really well. It's strange because there was, there was less contact in, for me, in the, um, the penalty that was awarded than the one where we should have had the penalty. Um, and I was, I was, I was screaming at the TV. I was saying, because I, I think he falls outside the box, but the contact's within the mm. box. So just as the game was going on, I thought, well, they might actually give this as a free kick, but if they do, they're completely wrong. Mm. Um, but like, I agree with you. You know, I think he's in, in terms of his numbers this season and the kind of season that he's had, and he's admitted it himself, you know, he hasn't had the best of seasons. It's been a roller coaster for him. Um, He's done really well, I think. You know, he's done really well in terms of his goals and assists for what, yes, he could do better. I'm sure, you know, we all, as Chelsea fans, we know that. But I do think his, his, his goals and assists kind of give you that kind of inkling that there is something there. We are going to get a better team over in the next season. Agree, agree. And I think actually the way he won that penalty was very, very smart because he felt there was contact. Yeah. Was there enough contact to fall over? I don't know. And anywhere else on the pitch, you know, maybe you continue running or if, you know, the foul is given, no one bats an eye because it is a foul. But the fact it was in the penalty box and the fact, you know, Timo Werner did fall over, then it's a, it's a penalty all day long. And mm. moments like that is where you actually feel appreciative and grateful for VAR. Yeah, because yeah. had, you know, VNR not kind of, you know, intervened, it would have been a free kick on the edge of the box. So there's two sides of it all. You know, I, I love VAR, you know, moments like that, I love it. And I absolutely hate it when it's not applied properly or, you know, doesn't even give the time of light to review decisions or doesn't send the referee to the monitor as we spoke about to look at decisions. But we know we've spoken about it a lot. Timo Werner will come good. Um, He's getting in the right positions. If he times his runs a bit better and, you know, maybe he's a bit more clinical in front of goal, which we've seen a few times, you know, recently he looks almost like he doesn't really know how to, what to do or doesn't put enough power behind the shots. I think he will come good. It's almost like 80% of, you know, the, 80% 80% of it is there, the runs, I mean, the the kind of, you know, all-round gameplay. But I think next season we'll see the real deal. And I've mentioned it before, give him a preseason, give him a good Euros. Give him, and, give um, him a striker as well, get him a number nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I've, I've read this morning, it could be some, someone in the Bundesliga by the name of Robert Lewandowski, <laughs> yeah. which is exciting. <laughs> I, tr- I tried not to, I don't, I don't think, if I, I can't remember if I sent it on to you, but um, when I was reading it this morning, I was, I was, sort of reading it. I had to read it twice just to make sure it was actually yeah. about Chelsea and not any of the clubs. But um that'd be interesting if we can get him. Yeah. Um and I wouldn't say no to him at all. Um but I wanted to talk about Rudiger because I think he was under Tuchel. He's he's been born a new lease of life. He's he seems to understand what's being asked of him a lot more. Um whether that's because Thiago Silva's next to him as well with the experience at the back. But um, the last couple of games, even, you know, we're talking about some of the Champions League games as well. He seems to have just been 
the rock at the back as well as Thiago. Um, and it's obviously Reese James the last two games as well. But what, what's your thoughts on, on Rudiger and how, how he seems to be playing on the Tuchel? He's been brilliant. He's been absolutely brilliant. And if I'm completely honest, I was one of those Chelsea fans in January when, you know, he kind of almost, I felt like he played a part in Lampard sacking. I felt, you know, he wasn't giving it his all under Lampard. Um, maybe a reason why he was, you know, frozen out the team at times. But, um, you know, since he's come into the squad under the two core and the performances he's put in, he's really won me over. He's won me over. And even yesterday, um, Tuesday's performance, not just, you know, the way he's played off the ball, but also how he was trying to get into some play- Leicester players' heads at times, I think was, you know, what you want to see in a kind of like a heated game like that. Because we were in a position, you know, not to bottom in, we were in a position to kind of, you know, keep our calm, whereas Leicester were chasing that second goal. So yeah, I think when, you know, that big scuffle at the end, I think um, he, was, he was kind of, you know, the, the main kind of protagonist in it and played a huge part. And that crazy run he went on, almost just looking for a Leicester foul. And, yeah. But he's been brilliant, definitely. Like a year, a year ago, had you told me, Tony, Tony Rudiger to start in a Champions League final, I'd be hiding behind the sofa <laughs> watching the 90 minutes. But now with Rudiger, Rudiger is probably one of the first names in the team sheet when you're yeah. going to go into a Champions League final um, in a week or two. Yeah. And I mean, the, the goal that he, he did score, um, again, you know, I looked, uh, I half celebrated and I thought, is that just touched his hand or are they going to VAR this? But to see it come off his knee, it, a goal's a goal. And, you know, I agree with you. I think he's he's someone that I can imagine in the dressing room as a big personality. And um, I, I do, I think you're right. You know, I do think he, he probably did have some sort of handling in Lampard's, um, the, the, that lack of understanding in the dressing room. Um, he seems like a, a big character in the dressing room. So I can only imagine he had, he can pull the strings um, in some sense as well. But um, on the pitch, can't fault him. You know, he's... he's um, you know, again, he's someone that I would probably never have thought of in the Champions League final. But now I look at the, the three centre-backs that we, we played um, on Tuesday and they would probably be my centre-backs for the final, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, um, he, he's a he's a brilliant player and obviously Tuchel's getting the best out of him. So it's good to see, you know, um, it's good mm-hmm. to see. It, it kind of gives us an option at the back. Obviously, we've got Tomori hopefully coming back into the forward next season as well. Um, so it's going to give Tuchel a bit of a headache, a good headache, um, who he can choose at centre back. I did, I did have him as one of my goal scorers in my predictions. He did, he did on, uh, on Monday. So I just had a feeling he'd score after he scored a brace um, at the King Power last season. Yeah, I like you know it was just I felt a goal was going to come from it. Got the crystal ball out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, um, but yeah, great player, and I'm glad to have him. You know, back in form now. It was it was interesting because um, I think your other, your other um, goal scorer was Christian Pulisic, who I don't know whether it was I don't know there was it just didn't seem like he was in the game for me as much um, on Tuesday and I'm trying to think he did he get subbed off at any point I don't think he did did he but it just it didn't seem like it was he was in the game for some weird reason um, could just be down to the fact he's he's playing you know quite, he played on. Um, Day we on Saturday, and he's always played Tuesday as well. So I don't. What was your thoughts on on Pulisic? Because I feel like out of the, the the team, he was probably one of the ones where I'd expect him to have lit that game up and, and done something special. But I didn't really see that from him. I think it's because us Chelsea fans now, with the performances we've had with Pulisic recently, we've we've, we've got such high expectations. Maybe, mm. but um, so maybe that's why you know if he doesn't get a goal, he doesn't get an assist, or he doesn't get you know 
some kind of moment that wows us. We're a bit like, oh, that wasn't the best of politics, you know, performances or ability. But um, I think he just brings a certain energy, a certain flair to this to the squad, which I think we lack with all the other players. Maybe Mount, the most similar player to him. Mm. But um, but I think the fact he played the ninety minutes, I think he did. He did, yeah. I was just trying to think of you, which probably shows off. that why Tuchel, you know, Tuchel wants him to play the ninety minutes because, as I said, he he offers that kind of energy, that flair, that kind of spark in in attack. And also just that ability to just beat players. Him and Mouth are probably the only two players that can just dribble past the player. Yeah. I think Havertz is slowly getting there. But um, but no, I think he's definitely another player I'd want to see in the Champions League final simply because he offers all of the, the criteria I listed. And um, I think you have to remember, I think he's still only 21. Yeah, 22. he's still young. Still young. He's still very young. I think we'd signed Hazard at his age now. So mm. um, he's got a very high ceiling. And I think... It, Again, one of those players in a season or two, I think, you know, he'll be playing like maybe Riyad Mahrez is playing now or, uh, you know, all these top players, even the likes of yeah. Salah. And I think, you know, he has had those comparisons already. So um, I think, as I said, we've got very high expectations for, for him, but rightly so as well. Yeah. And it was, um, it was good to see that Kante had obviously realised that he was had some sort of like niggling injury. I don't think, I think he said it was something to do with his hamstring, but um he obviously flagged that straight away to Tuchel. Tuchel done the right thing by bringing him off. But um, what was your thoughts on Kovacic? Obviously, he's come back. He's, he's had a bit of a lengthy time out. And um, uh, for, apart from the, the Perez <laughs> um, skied ball, um, it was. I thought he played well. I thought he came back in. It was good to see him get some minutes. Um, ideally, I didn't want him to play an hour's worth of football. Um, I probably would. I'd probably like to have kept him on the bench if we could, but what was your thoughts on, on cover? Yeah, I mean, I was gutted to be fair when Kante came off because he's that one player you want fit, you know, for the, for the Champions League final. But when you've got a player like Kovacic who can come on to replace him, it's it's a great, you know, substitution. And I thought Kovacic did very well. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it in the previous episodes. He's that one midfielder out of um, Gilmore, Kante, Jorginho that can offer that kind of, you know, drive up the pitch. and Maybe he was slightly at fault for the for the Leicester goal, losing a ball, you know, yeah. and um, when we tried to play out the back from Mendy and then to, to James, I think it was. But overall, I think is he looked he just kind of you know it was almost like he hadn't been injured in my opinion. I think he played a great through ball, you know, almost like a one touch through ball or two touch through ball that cut through the Leicester defense at one point. And um, he's the type of player I think pure starter on Sunday at Villa Park. Yeah, because there's a, a high chance he starts in the final. If Kante's not fit, and maybe even Tuchel might drop Jorginho for Kovacic and Kante. So yeah. um, I think get him, give him ninety minutes or maybe sixty minutes on um, on Sunday, and I think Kovacic will be back to his best and ready to start in um, in Porto the following weekend. Yeah, and it's a, it's a good time to to segue over to the um, the final game of the season, Villa Park, Aston Villa, um, massive game. We, you know, we, we said a few weeks ago every game's a cup final. Um, we've done so well. We've got well, obviously we've done we've done well to get where we are in the Premier League, considering January or December. We, you know, we were tenth, ninth in the league, so we've done really well. But surely, surely we beat Villa on the last day. Surely we've got a good record at Villa Park. But what 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 do you reckon? Yeah, we've got we've got to win. It's simple as um, all those drop points to the likes of Leeds, Brighton, Southampton, Arsenal recently makes this game even more important. And I just 
the last thing I want is like the Arsenal game. We just go into it a bit too complacent, a bit too, you know, we're already wrapped up top four, but it's far from that. It's far from that. If Leicester get a result against Spurs and I expect Liverpool to get a result against Palace, it's pressure on us and mm. we've got to get the three points. Um, we spoke about it offline. We've got a good um, good um, kind of history and form at, at Villa Park. Yeah, like Our last defeat came in maybe 2014. We had a two. We were playing over nine men at the time, but um, at the yeah. same time, you know, they they they're a good team. They've got a great manager in Dean Smith. Ollie Watkins is a you know he's had a great season. Um, but it's tight. again, I can't compliment these teams, but with the ability ability we have in our squad, we should be winning. And I don't. Know, I just want it. I don't want to to watch it and feel uncomfortable. The last thing I want is like similar to the Leicester game. You know, have only a one goal lead, but uh, if we can wrap things up quite early in the first half with a two goal lead, I'll be confident watching that second half, and then I can just focus on maybe Leicester getting a result against Spurs, so <laughs> that they can qualify as well, and then pressure yeah. on Liverpool. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd expect us to win, honestly. Yeah, and I, I don't expect many uh, many changes to the lineup. I think from how we played against Leicester, um, I think that would be very similar, if not the same lineup that comes out. We've got to mention, obviously, Jack Grealish is going to be a big issue for, for us. He's a, he's a good player, albeit that he's coming back from an injury himself. But I think he's played the, I think he started the game um, yesterday and I think he came on as a sub the previous game as well. So he's going to be someone that we need to keep very quiet because he, you know, he has got the potential to, to cause damage. But I agree, you know, Ollie Watkins is, you know, he, he's someone that can just, you know, again, a very like a Vardy like or um, Ian Nacho, you know, they can they can just get a one one chance and they take it and they score. So um, Villa being 11th in the league, um, they've, they've not had the best of form either. I think they've beat Spurs, Everton and Fulham um, in their last eight games. So they've not had the best of form, but they do like to, to sometimes turn up against some of the big boys. Um, and that's one of the issues that worries me about Sunday. Um, I agree. You know, I think if we can get a, a, a two nil, a two nil lead before half time, um, we can sit back in the second, say we, I can sit back in the second half and sort of enjoy the game a little bit, but um, we're in the driving seat. I think we're, we you know, we've got the 67 points, I think, is it now? And um, I think Leicester and Liverpool on 66, I think so doesn't really mean much but we you know we are in the driving seat with thirds um it, it's what we need you know we need top four next season we really do if we're going we're gonna to attract the likes of uh Robert Lewandowski or a Harry Kane or whoever whoever it may be that comes in as a striker do they really want to be playing Europa League football next season no <laughs> <laughs> you know so we we, we need to um yeah, we've got to win, you know. And and to be honest, Palace are I watched the Palace Arsenal game uh yesterday and they've done really well and it's Roy Hodgson's last game. Um you know, I think they're gonna to wanna to try and cause cause an upset. And we know what happened before it's um in a, a reverse fixture, obviously it was at Selhurst Park, I think, mm. when Liverpool um threw away a three I think three 0 lead, was it? I mm. think. So um we know Chris, Chris Chris Bamball. Yeah, literally <laughs> literally. Um so you know, we know what they can do and um, we can, we can only focus on our game. I think we can just get our three points over the line and forget about what's happening at Leicester and Liverpool. We just need to win the game. Very similar to the Wolves last game, season, I think last yeah. season as well, wasn't it? So we've just got to get our, our end of the, uh, the bargain done and 
hope that Leicester qualify as well. Mm, fingers crossed, and I, I'd have to agree with you about the lineup. Um, we'd have a week after to rest for the Champions League final, so I think that would be sensible for two quarters to play strongest eleven in this game. And it's not the type of game where you want to rest your best players as well, because it is a must-win. Um, if Kante is not fit enough, then I would play Kovacic in, in midfield. I think Christensen may be still injured as well, so I'd have the same back three that started against Leicester in midweek. Um, and then striker, it completely depends on if Havertz is back. I don't know, probably Mount, Werner and, and Pulisic with the way things have gone in the recent games. So so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't tinker too much with that starting eleven. And I think kind of same mentality and same, you know, way approaching same way to approach the game than we did on that we did on Tuesday, especially in our first twenty minutes, because I think Le- Aston Villa are weaker than Leicester. We've got to be we've got to be kind of honest. And if we can kind of, you know, create those chances like we did early on against Leicester, I think, and we're clinical in front of goal, we can easily get a two-goal lead at half-time. I don't want to jinx it, but I think it is possible, similar to how we started the game against um, Crystal Palace. I saw yeah. Park, a kind of electric start, and we think Havertz and Pulisic scored early on. That'll be the dream scenario on Sunday. <laughs> we can get two goals after 10, 15 minutes. I can yeah. just sit back and relax and focus on Leicester maybe getting the results against Spurs. But um, but yeah, really, really big game. Um, my, my attention is not fully on the Champions League final because in my eyes, I want to focus on Sunday first. Yeah, and I think we we need to get that over over the line. Um, Villa are a difficult team, though, and I think we uh, I agree. I think they're they're um, you know they're not a Leicester, um, so that's no disrespect to Aston Villa. They're just not in the same league as Leicester, um, but they do have some good players at Aston Villa. Um, John McGinn's another one that worries mm. me. Um, Bertrand Traore. He's had a good game. Obviously, Ross Barkley won't be playing for them, but he, he has had some good moments whilst at Villa as well. So um, my, my my prediction probably will be, um, uh, I think, 3-0. I think we'll beat them 3-0. And I think I think we'll, I say think, I hope we um, have a very comfortable first half as well. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think... I think we've had really good record at Villa Park. Um, I know they'll have fans there, but I just think we'll be we'll be up for the game. We know it's a, we know it's at stake. But it's a cup final, um, and I, yeah, I think three nil. Mm. And the two goal has been hard pushing for that third goal at times. Yeah, yeah I'm going to stick with. I'm going to say two nil. Uh, and if I had to say some goal scorers, I'll say I'll say Mountain and Jorginho penalty. Yeah, again. He's our top yeah. goal scorer, so you got to back him. Yeah, I t- I t- just before we, we we move on, but I was, um, the penalty was so brilliant. It was brilliant penalty. Was, you know, yeah. it's, it was a very calm penalty. Um, knowing there's fans back in the stadium as well, he just made it look so easy. Um, but yeah, I, as long as we get the win on Sunday, um, four o'clock kickoff, I think, isn't it? Everyone kicks off at four, yeah. so yeah, you know, could could ruin the. Uh, the, the sun evening of, of Sundays for I us. I think I think Aston Villa's assistant manager is back. <laughs> well. I, I don't know if you've um I can't remember what game it was, whether it was against us or it might have been against us or maybe it was against Arsenal. Yeah. I think there was two clips and if you go on Twitter you'll see the different reactions to John Terry when we scored against um or sorry when Villa scored against us and well I think it was Arsenal or maybe Tottenham and they scored and the difference in the reactions to John Terry but um yeah let's hope he can maybe slip some something in the uh, pre-match meals for the for the the team but um yeah I think you know we 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 should win we should win we've got everything there capable of winning against Villa um and then we can focus our attention to Porto as well which would be good agree yeah so 
let's let's quickly talk about goal of the season, which if I'm honest, when you mentioned this to me earlier, um, which I haven't done any research, I'm just trying to think off memory. I was thinking, I don't really remember any sort of, oh my gosh moments or I can't believe they've just done that. Um, yeah, there's not been many this season. So I'm going to let you go first because I've got a top three. So I'll uh, let you go first. I've got, I've got a couple of candidates. Um, I think opening day of the season for Chelsea, Monday night, um, we played Brighton. I think that Reese James screamer kind of yeah. stands out to me. It kind of, you know, set the, set the, set the tone for the season. You know, if that's the type of goals he can score from, from long range, then maybe we're in for a treat this season and we can expect a couple more. But I think that goal was brilliant as well. You know, just roof of the net, rifled it in. So um, that's definitely worth a shout. And I think in that, that the home game against Southampton, some of those Werner goals were brilliant. Yeah. The way he kind of dribbled past that, kind of ran down the ran down the wing, then cut into the box, and then got the keeper out, then rounded him almost and put it in. Yeah. And then the second goal, I think he almost chipped it over the keeper's head and then just headed it in. So those two those two goals he scored against Southampton are worthy of a shout, I feel. Um, but then I think Nas scored a great one in the FA Cup. I think it's Morecambe, kind of like long range strike as well. Yeah, he did. But, he yeah, did. Maybe the fact it was Morecambe maybe takes a bit away from it. I'm not sure. But um, I think there's only one one candidate in the Champions League for me. Um, the Olivier Giroud bicycle kick against Atletico yeah. Madrid in in, in Bucharest. Um, I just met that two minute gap between the when the ball went in and the VAR kind of you know approval of the goal. Just almost had us all Chelsea fans confused. But um, I think it was only after when you know we realised the goal was it was was the stand. Yeah, that we actually realised how good of a goal it was. Yeah, you know, I mean, any bicycle kick is is an absolute, it's an absolute spectacle to watch. And I think Giroud's, you know, he's got a history of scoring this type of goals, whether it's a scorpion flick, a volley, um, you know, bullet header. But um, but yeah, that was just brilliant technique, and also the kind of importance of that goal as well, away goal in the Champions League, and we kept a clean sheet that day, yeah. coming back with a one 0 lead um, against um, against Atletico Madrid, taking that back to Stamford Bridge. Was was great for me. So uh, if I had to pick my goal of the season, it'd be that Giroud bicycle kick for sure. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I I forgot about the uh, the Morgan one, the, the Mason Mount one. But my Mason Mount goal that I, I enjoyed, I'm not, I wouldn't probably say it's probably goal of the season, was the Liverpool one. Yeah. Um, and the reason I say that is because of the way he cuts in. I think it's for Fabinho. I think that should be closing him down. Um, doesn't do a good enough job, and I think that's when he was playing central. Uh, he was playing centre back as well at that point. But um, if I remember, it's just the way Mount cuts in, and he doesn't. He gets a lot of power on the ball to, just to just to bend it round. Um, I think it's Fabinho. I can't remember slightly. Just the amount of power he gets into the shot as well. Um, that that would probably be one of my contenders. Um, I think Pulisic scored a, a free kick against West Brom. Yeah, I think I it think. was Alonso. Alonso was it Alonso? Hitting, Alonso hitting the 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 bar and the post, and then I think Pulisic just tapped it in. Okay, yeah. Okay, that I mean that was a good that was a good one. I like that one. Um, Pulisic Madrid, though, maybe. Yes, that's a good shout as well. That's a very good shout. Um, I can't really look beyond the Giroud. I can't. You can't look beyond it. Um, we just haven't we haven't scored enough goals to have loads of contention for goal of the season we just haven't done that this season but um for me the the bicycle kick was just amazing and if that's one of his you know 
gifts to us as he if he does you know decide to move on then what a goal because it's it's one of those goals that uh, albeit I think he was unmarked wasn't he when he when he did it which is which is irrelevant because it's still a brilliant goal and it's 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 not an easy thing to do you know um most of them go above the crossbar normally or you know straight to the goalkeeper's hands but to, to be able to to do that that audacious sort of bicycle kick is brilliant so for me I think the Mason Mount one definitely um for me uh maybe because it's against Liverpool as well I don't know but um yeah the Giroud bicycle kick gets it for me that's got to be yeah. goal of the season. I'd have to agree. And um, I think honourable mention shouts, shout outs to the, the Pulisic goal away to Madrid. I think, you know, we were always just like waiting for him to pull that trigger and shoot. Yeah. But, um, but I think he, he timed it perfectly and the way he, he almost had Courtois on, his, on the floor, <laughs> I think was really enjoyable for all Chelsea fans. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, the Giroud bicycle kick definitely for me as well. Yeah. Um, I think we should run a poll on, on our on our pages and um, see what everyone else thinks. But um, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to agree with us, hopefully. But um, yeah, big, big, massive weekend coming up. Well, two weekends, I suppose. We've got obviously Sunday and then we've got the the big one against Man City, which we'll cover in our next episode. But um, yeah, I think we, we need to obviously focus on Sunday, get that out of the way and we can we can then push on and focus on one of the biggest nights again of our of our Chelsea sort of lives. Um I mentioned yesterday uh, quite a bit on Twitter that it was obviously the Champions League anniversary as well when we won it. The the famous uh dropper moments in Lampard and um in f- before we go, I think we should also mention obviously Frank Lampard being inducted into the uh the Hall of Fame as well. Rightfully so. Do you agree? I agree. I mean, <laughs> You look at the list of midfielders that were, you know, alongside him for that, for the for the nomination. I think he was the as a Chelsea fan, again a bit biased, but I think he is better than Scholes, Gerrard, maybe even David Beckham in his yeah. in the Premier League. So I think um, definitely, I think worthy. I think he came. Th- he was the third one to be inducted after Shearer and, and um, Thierry Henry. Fourth, maybe I think it was Roy, Roy, Roy Keane. Oh, yeah. I think it's fifth because I think Cantona oh, yeah. was inducted as well. Um, and I think, yeah, Gerald today, Gerald and Beckham have gone in mm. today, but um, definitely got to, you know, he's got to be in there. I can't, I'd imagine John Terry's not far behind as well. Um, but yeah, you know, Frank Lampard is is always going to be a Chelsea legend. I think he's done an article recently, actually, mm. um, which I'm, I'm due to read, I think, in the next half an hour or so. Um, so that'd be, it, yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting to to see what he, what he says in there. Um, surprisingly, it seems like he's he's not held any punches. No, um, rightfully so as well because he's he's took a lot of criticism um, in his managerial career. But I think a lot of fans forget what he did as a as a player as well. I think he does, he still holds the record, doesn't he? He's the most goals from a midfielder as well. So yeah. um, the assists, I think I, I pulled the stats up yesterday, but just when you read them. The number of games he scored, the uh, number of games he played, goals he scored, and assists as well. Um, his honours, all the the trophies he's won. We can give him a bit of slack for not getting it right in his second managerial job. You know, it's um, it, yeah, he's, he's to me he's going to be a legend always. I think we should retire the number eight as well and, instead of giving it to uh, I think is it Ross Barkley that's got it at the moment. Yeah, I was, I was chatting to someone on the Instagram account about yeah the number eight and. I think the fact we gave it to Ross Barkley in January 2018 when we signed him went to show that we had high expectations for Ross Barkley. But now there's a lot of, you know, call, you know, a lot of Chelsea fans want us to give it to Mason Mount. 
No, no. Which I think I kind of want to see him make the number 19. Stick iconic. 19. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, Frank Lampard forever be a legend. Um, if you read the article on the interview, he has been published recently. He, um, he said that he knew what he was, you know, he, what he was getting into when he was, um, when he was hired as the Chelsea manager, he knew that there could be consequences, you know, given the history of how we, we react with managers. And he's been, he was very respectful to Tuchel. And he said, you know, he's probably very busy at the moment, but, um, once um, the season finishes, he'll ring him and, you know, have a chat with him and wish him the best of luck for next season. Yeah. So I think that's just the Chelsea in him. You can tell that's just the Chelsea in him to, to do that as well. Yeah. He doesn't have to do it. Well, my parents, my parents always ask me, Oh, do you think Lampard's watching at home right now? Or, you know, in the game when we're playing really well. And I said, of course he is, you know, he's yeah. probably rooting for us. He's, he is rooting yeah. for us as well. He's, he is a Chelsea manager and I think it's looking more and more likely now he'll be the Crystal Palace manager next season. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I'm excited to have him back in the Premier League as well. Yeah, it's going to be hard because um, obviously you don't want you know your club legend or um, you know someone that you hold very highly to to go to any other club. But I think it it really burned me when he went to Manchester City. Um, I, yeah, I just couldn't didn't mind when he went to because he went to the MLS. It was at New York City as well um, for for a while, but. Yeah, when he went to Manchester City, it really burnt me a little bit because I was... Oh, oh. It was tough, yeah. It was the, the wrong blue. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, legends as always. Um, and hopefully, yeah, like you, like you said, hopefully he does get the job at Palace um, just so we can see him in the Premier League again because he does deserve another shot at the um, the Premier League. Mm, I agree. Some some great young Crystal Palace players to work with, like so Eze, um, Saha, maybe not so young now, but great yeah. player as well. And obviously Gary Cahill, I think he'll yeah. stay for another season or two. I think Ty- Tyra Mitchell as well, yeah. one of the he defenders scored. coming through. Yeah. He's yeah. scored against Villa and he's looking great as well. So um, I think you'll get a couple of Chelsea loanees as well. Maybe I think oh, you're only allowed okay. one loanee from, from each team. But um, Gallagher's probably a good shout, isn't it? The Athletic was saying this morning that his, um, he wants either Guehi or Gallagher on yeah. loan from Chelsea. So, um, so yeah, I think we'll happily give them those type of players if they can, he can develop them into future Mason Mounts or... Yeah. Takayo Tamoris. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, okay, so interesting. Interesting couple of days coming up for us. Um, as always, you can follow us at From the Shed End on Twitter and at From the Shed End on Instagram. Um, bearing in mind on Instagram, there is an underscore between each of the words as well. Um, and Theo, where can they, where can everyone find you? Yep, so you can find me on Twitter uh, at Sesky Time. So it's like Sesky, but it's about the Fabregas way. So Sesky and the time. Um, I'm always happy to interact with you, follow back, etc. So just give me, give me a follow and drop me a message. And always you can find me at T dot underscore producer as well. And like Theo, interact with me. Um, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm right. Um, but yeah, just always interact with us um we appreciate everyone that does already on our instagram and on our twitters as well so um this has been episode 11 of from the shed end podcast with myself t dot and theo thanks for listening